Jesus, we love you, God, for all things. We praise you, Lord, for your many blessings, all of your goodness upon us. We thank you for your kindness and mercy and care. We ask you, Jesus, to touch every one of us here today. Lord, we ask you to let thy word be a light to our feet, a lamp to our pathway. We ask you, Jesus, to let thy word sink into our hearts and souls here today as we study it, to look unto you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand, and greet them in Jesus' name, and tell them they look nice. Amen. Tell them you're glad they're here. If you're a guest or a visitor here, we're so glad you're here with us. Amen. God bless you. Before I get started in our lesson today, I want to uh, just thank all of you for your many cards and your interest in uh, two things. One is the loss of my own mother. Many of you have sent the, your, your sympathy cards to us and how we deeply appreciate those. I've read those and looked at them and appreciated you so much for being uh, concerned about us and so forth. But our mothers, my mother, as you well know, uh, passed away uh, yesterday was a week ago and we had her funeral last uh, Tuesday. And uh, she's 98, she was, she was, her funeral was on the day of her birthday, 98 years old. And uh, so we buried her on the day of her 98th birthday, which was Tuesday. And uh, she was ready to go, ready to meet the Lord, had been for many years, lived for God all of her life. She received the Holy Ghost when she was just a girl, just a girl, and uh, lived for God and served the Lord all these years, raised her family and then her grandchildren, and I think she had great-great-grandchildren, if I remember, by some of the other siblings, grand-siblings, all those kind of things. But she had a very large family. I'm the oldest of four, but, you know, as it goes down, why, there's more that gets on board, and they all loved her very deeply and very much. We appreciate you. Appreciate you very much. Praise the Lord. God bless you, and also I want to say thank you for all your gifts and cards for our anniversary. Sister Myers and I celebrated last Thursday. We celebrated our 60th year of being married. Praise the Lord, 60 years. And uh, I'll say again, that was the best, best thing I ever did was to marry that good girl. She was the most beautiful woman in the world when I met her, still is, still is. Praise the Lord, beautiful lady. She was beautiful and just as, just as I mean, had a heart for God and the things of the Lord. Let me just say this before I get into our Bible lesson. I, uh, I had met her in a, at a rally in Miami, and then I decided I was going to have a date with her, and I called up the, the pastors. Uh, the pastor was a woman pastor of the church she went to. I called up the pastor, and I said to his sister Debbie there. Now, that's not her name. Her name is Margaret, but Debbie means debutante. And it's a nickname for her. And it has nothing to do with what her name is. So I just always called her Debbie. So anyhow, I said, is Sister Debbie there? And uh, she says, no, she's out uh, doing a street service with the young people, preaching on the street. I said, really? <laughs> what? Wow. I said, okay. I said, I, gotta, I really got to have a date with this girl. I got to, you know, see if I can go out with her. I called up later and they said, no. Her and the young people are having a jail service somewhere in Miami there in town. I said, really? Boy, I can see right away that she had a heart for the work of God. So when I finally got the date, 
I realized that this is a girl. It didn't take me long to figure it out. This is a girl I wanted to marry, praise the Lord. So after all these 60 years, I've never changed my mind, never had any doubts about it. God bless her, and I thank God for giving her to me many years ago. God bless you. Everybody say praise the Lord. I uh, want you to uh, go with me this morning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. I know a few weeks ago we were studying the book of Daniel. We will get back to that. But I have been, I have been impressed of late to teach on the subject, where are the dead? Many of you have heard this lesson. It's more than one lesson. It will take two or three lessons for us to get through this subject. But it's of great interest because there's a sort of a misunderstanding by many people on what happens to us when we pass away. What happens? And uh, I want to talk to you on this subject and sort of give you some information. Not only did my mother pass away a week ago Saturday, but also Brother Massa. Brother Massa passed away this past week. Very good man in this church. Good man. Just... I was so shocked when I heard of his passing. And uh, he passed away just a few days ago. And uh, this guy uh, was just a marvelous guy. I'd go visit him and talk, be there in the living room with him and his wife. He always had such a good spirit and uh, everything. Loved God, walked with the Lord for many years. And just suddenly it seemed like, no, that can't be. I just almost, I was almost just fell out of my chair when I was heard that he had passed away. So I'm just saying here today that what happens to us when we pass away, when we go? And the reason I want to talk about this is because there are different opinions. Uh, for instance, we say that, uh, you know, you look at somebody's body in the, in the coffin and you say, they're not there. Okay, we know that. They're not there. Uh, yet, there's the resurrection. The resurrection, the body will come forth. So if they're not there, then what comes forth? How does that happen? So I want to try to tie up some loose ends here and help us to understand this. If you're ready, if you want me to do this, this is a, and this is a very advanced audience. I'm aware of that. You people in this audience are very advanced Bible students, and I'm aware of it. So I try to keep all that in mind when I teach. I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22. Then I'm going to hand out some uh, handouts to you here in a moment. But look at uh, this verse of Scripture. And uh, 1 Thessalonians verse, chapter 5, verse 23, it's a verse that Paul is sort of signing off as he has written to the Thessalonians. And he's closing out his epistle to them, his first one. And he says these words in 20, verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, Holy, look at the word holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, in every generation, they have always looked for the coming of the Lord. And Paul looked for it even in his generation, the coming back of the Lord for, for his church. He said, so we ask that you your whole spirit, soul, and body the thing I want to emphasize is that we are made up of these three parts, all of us. We are body, soul, and spirit. The body is what you see. The body is the outward man. It's the house that we are in. The spirit is our life. It is the life that is in us. If we would say something is spirited, we mean it has a lot of life. 
You talk about a racehorse, he's spirited, you know, or something of this nature. It has reference to the, the spirit, the life uh, that is in that particular individual. And the soul of the individual is the person himself or herself. The soul is the uh, inward man. The soul is the, the, uh, your personality. It is who you are. It is the person, the individual that you are different than any and everybody else. So our soul, praise the Lord, which is the person we are, has a body and has a spirit. And those three things make up us as individuals. Now, I want to get into uh, our Bible lesson here today and talk to you a little bit about uh, where are the dead. I'm going to pass out some handouts to you. So if you uh, ushers want to come give me a hand, I'm aware that I will not get through all of this today, and I don't, I won't try to. I'm going to give you a, a number of scriptures here to help us to, okay, thank you, to help us to uh, understand uh, these things. Praise God. first thing I'm going to do here is to put a chart up here that I have not, I'm not showing you all of it yet. It'll come to light here in a minute. And this is the entire chart. What I'm doing right now is just showing you that one corner over there. Everybody see that? Okay. I'm just showing you a part of it because I don't want to confuse you. What I'm handing out to you right now is not the chart, but it's just some notes on, on my teaching here this morning. I want you to turn in your Bibles while they're passing those out to you. And uh, this is the first scripture that you see in your notes. And I want you to look with us in First Thessalonians, uh, uh, Ecclesiastes, rather, chapter 11, verse 3. Ecclesiastes 11.3. It says, If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. Now you say, why is this in the Bible? I mean, everybody knows that when a tree falls, that's where it falls, you know. And uh, it's, why is that put here? Uh, this 11th chapter and the 12th chapter in particular is speaking about death. And, he, and, and Solomon, in writing the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, was writing here about the end of man. And he comes to the end of his book here on Ecclesiastes. And he talks about this. And this says that how you die is the way it's going to be for eternity. Let me just emphasize that. And I'll give you some other scriptures in a moment. But how we die, that's why you want to be ready to go when Jesus comes or be ready to go when you die. You want to be ready to go. You want to be ready to meet the Lord. And uh, you don't want to monkey around, play around with salvation, decide maybe later. There may not be a later. We never know. As a tree falls, so shall it lie. If you are a good man, if you're a bad man, if you're a holy man, righteous, whatever, as that tree falls, so shall it be. And so this is brought out in the word of God. Now, while we're there in the book of Ecclesiastes, 
I want you to go over to chapter 12. This is the very next chapter and the last chapter in Ecclesiastes. And look at this very closely here. Also, when they shall be uh, aired, afraid, this is talking about people when they're very old and they become fearful about a lot of things because they just don't have their strength and, and, what they, and the vitality they've had in times past. Look at verse 5. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high and fear shall be in the way and the almond tree shall flourish. If you want to write a little note in there, it's because older people, and especially in older days before they had the dentry they have today, they didn't have the teeth to chew almond, you understand, until <laughs> the almond tree flourished. That's what that has reference to. And the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Now look at verse 7, and this is where I'm going with this. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. The dust shall return. That's the body. And the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Now I want you to notice this because a lot of people will say, when you die, is there, there, is there going to be a resurrection? That's so, that's the body. Or do we go to, do we go to heaven now? You know, which is it? And so there's an understanding that has to be met here. There's different ideas and different opinions and different views. And because there is one doctrine that is kicked around sometimes, and it's even among the Pentecostals even to some degree, and that is they call it soul sleeping. And it is this, that when you die, your soul sleeps with the body. And it is still in the body, it stays with the body until the resurrection. And they call, they call that soul sleeping. And uh, they, the way they explain it is that you die one second, the next second is the resurrection. So there's no knowledge of any in-between times. That's called soul, the doctrine of soul sleeping. However, there's too many scriptures that says we go back to the Lord who gave it when we die. And if we go back to the Lord that we gave it, what's the body to do with the resurrection? How, how, how does that happen? What's that, why should that be? And so forth. So everybody on board with me here while we're talking about this. Uh, so what I'm pointing out to you here is the Bible says here in this 12th 7, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Now there's another scripture that's found over in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 uh, which says somewhat the same thing and uh, I am sometimes reluctant to read this one because of people who have pets. But uh, let me read it to you anyhow. It says 321, who knoweth the spirit of man that it goeth upward? So when we die, our spirit goeth upward and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth. So animal's spirit goes into the ground and it's all over with for an animal. But for man, his spirit goes upward to God. Two scriptures here in Ecclesiastes alone that talks about the spirit going upward. Now, I want you to look, uh, I want you to look here in our scriptures that we're going to read to you here in, uh, in, in, in our chart. Uh, this is the body, soul, and spirit scripture here. And then the spirit and the soul go back to God for disposition. And this is the verse I just read to you in Ecclesiastes 12, 7. It goes back for God to put the spirit wherever it should go. And uh, the Bible also says that God is the God of the living and not of the dead, 
which means that after we die, we do go back to God, our spirit, our soul. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures here, and I want you to look very closely here with me uh, on these verses of scripture. Uh, look in 1 Kings uh, chapter 17. Look at 1 Kings 17 with me for just a moment. This is talking about the soul. 1 Kings 17, and I want you to look at verse 21. 17, 21. And this is where Elijah was staying with a, with a, widow, with a widow woman. And uh, the, the Lord gave them that miracle of where there was always oil and uh, in, in the cruise, and there was always meal in the barrel for a duration of a famine. And uh, as long as she took care of Elijah the prophet, uh, then they had food in the house. But along the way, her son, her boy, her little boy, I don't know how little or how big he was, but her son died. And she came and brought him to Elijah and says, you know, God has been good to us, but now all of a sudden my son is dead. So she presents the son to him. And uh, the 21st verse says, tells us what Elijah did. Look at this closely. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. Notice it says his soul, his soul. That means that his soul and his spirit had left the body and had, you know, was going, was what, going back to God or whatever. His soul had left him. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came into him again and he revived. So what I'm trying to tell you here is that there's body, soul, and spirit. When we die, the body is left here on this earth. We bury that body. But that soul and spirit never leave each other. The, the, the spirit is the life to the soul and it's always together. So the soul and the spirit left in this case, it talks about it leaving the child, going back into it. Ecclesiastes talks about the spirit that goeth back to God who gave it. So I'm pointing this out to you so that you understand here that there's a soul and a spirit and that they are together. They work the same. Uh, look in Matthew 22:32 as well. This is another verse. What I'm doing is establishing the fact that there is a, uh, that our soul and our spirit goes back to God. And look at, uh, and it still lives. 22:32 of Matthew. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And all in the Old Testament, the Lord would say, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of the dead. And Jesus is saying this in the Matthew. This is Jesus' words. And he said, remember those statements made all through the Old Testament. And yet Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were dead. But he says, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So what I'm pointing out to you here is that we know by that, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their soul and spirit is alive with God somewhere. Okay. And so Jesus was sort of pointing. And I'm just giving these verses here to substantiate, substantiate that. Here's another verse that let us know that when we die, our soul and spirit goes back to God. Look in Philippians 1.23. These are not in your notes right now, but just go to these verses with me if you would. Philippians 1.23, and uh, 
a very simple verse. This is Paul talking and telling the Philippians, you know, I love you and I love the Lord and I'm doing the work of God. But if I had my druthers, I'd just rather be with the Lord. And here's what he says. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So what I'm pointing out to you here is that Paul was letting the Philippians know that if he were to die, he would go and be with the Lord. Everybody picking up on this. This is, the, this is the, the part that we're trying to emphasize. Also, he says the same thing in 2 Corinthians, only in a little different manner. 2 Corinthians uh, 5 and 6. He says, therefore, we are, but we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Meaning when we are no longer in the body, we are with the Lord. And he goes on to say here, verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. In other words, I don't mind whatever you know, life takes me and whenever it's time for me to go, I'm ready to go because I will be with the Lord. Does everybody understand what we're bringing out here? That when you die, your soul and your spirit goes back to God who gave it. Praise the Lord. All these scriptures, there's others too. I'm not going to bore you with all of those things. But this is to let us know that whenever we pass away, uh, our soul and our spirit goes back to God and the body is left here because it is of the, it is of the earth earthly. Now, uh, I'm going to turn this page over here and take us a little bit further here. This is how we are. We are body and then when we die, our body is put in the ground. This is the grave and our soul and our spirit goes back to God. Now, what happens when we, when we, go, when we are put back uh, when we go back to the Lord. And uh, the Bible says that we go to a place called paradise. Now, the next thing I want to talk to you, this is on number two in your, in your chart there, Revelation 22, 11. I want you to turn to this verse with us. This is a little uh, change here in what we're talking about. And I want you to look at this verse. We're going to the book of Revelation. If you'll notice the top of your page, a look at the end of the world. So to understand where are the dead, we have to look at what the scripture says will be at the end of time. <clears throat> look at 22:11. This is the last chapter in the book of Revelation. Remember the one about as the tree falleth, so shall it lie. All right, look at this verse, 22:11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Now, a couple things here. One is that uh, the wicked that's mentioned here is, is brought out in two parts, the unjust and the filthy. Now, if you don't remember anything else I say here this morning, don't forget what I'm going to say right now. There's two ways a person can be wicked. They can be wicked by being a very unjust person, mean-spirited, and I've got that in your notes, I think, unkind, unmerciful, unfair, you know, somebody that's just a crooked, as crooked as a barrel of snakes, scheming, you know, has no compassion for nobody, he's always doing everything crooked. This is an unjust person. 
See, an unjust person can look good on the outside, but he may be mean as a snake on the inside. And there are people like that. Uh, This guy we all know about Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler uh, had a dog that loved him, German Shepherd. He loved that dog, and that dog loved him. Apparently, he's very good to that dog. I don't know whether you know it or not, but Adolf Hitler didn't smoke cigarettes. You know, he didn't smoke cigarettes. I don't think he did drugs. We could say, oh, he's a good guy. No, he wasn't a good guy. He was very, very extremely unjust. We all know that. Okay, this is my example. On the other hand, there are people who are filthy wicked. You know, they chew tobacco and spit tobacco juice all over the place. And you get it all on your shoes. Uh, they smoke their cigarettes. They get drunk, get out in the street, curse and swear and carry on. You've, seen, you, you've known people like that. Yes, they're rascals. But yet, they would do anything in the world for you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They could be a neighbor that helped you out. They would do anything in the world for their neighbor. But when it comes to their own personal life, they could be just, they could just be as filthy and nasty as you can imagine. So what I'm pointing out to you here, when the Bible here says, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still, it's speaking of a type of wickedness. And when he says, he that is filthy, let him be filthy still, he's speaking of a type of wickedness. These two make up what we call and what we know of as the wicked. Let me move that back down here. The wicked right here. And so when the wicked dies, body's put there, and his soul uh, goes back to God who gave it. And I'm going to show you in a moment here that his, uh, that his soul is put here in hell. Now, uh, I'm going to have you go with me, if you would, over to the uh, book of Mark, uh, Luke, I want you to go to, Luke. Go to Luke chapter 16 with me for a moment. Where does the wicked go? When they go back to God and their soul and spirit go back to God, they've just been a wicked old guy, and, uh, and what happens to him? This is 1622, if you look at this verse of scripture with me, and it's about the rich man and Lazarus. The Bible says there was a certain uh, rich man, clothed and fine, and then there was a certain beggar. This is 19 and 20 of this 16th chapter of Luke. And they laid him as the gate. As you know the story, uh, the the poor man was brought there at the gate, and uh, hopefully that the rich man would be merciful to give him some food or handout or or, or a little money or something, and the rich man was hard-hearted, even though he had a lot of money, cold-hearted, had no, no compassion, and uh, lived just for himself, so forth. So finally it says here in verse 22, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom apparently then was the place the soul and the spirit goes or would go. And this is what it was referred to in the Old Testament or before, uh, before the outpouring of the Spirit of God, before Calvary. And uh, so the, the, uh, Abraham's bosom was the place that would be going. And it says, and the rich man also died and was buried. And verse 23 gives his reward. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and let Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Now this is, these are the words of Jesus. 
This is not a parable. A parable is when you take the known to explain the spiritual, like you say, the soul went forth the soul. We know what that is. But this is not talking about the known. These are talking about things that the Lord knew about. So there is a hell that we go to. Also in the, in the book of Mark, and I, didn't, I won't read those. Let me get you down here. No wonder you couldn't see it. This is hell, and this is where the wicked are, are, are taken. They're put in hell, and Mark 9, 43 and 18, and there are other verses as well that tells us about hell and the, the horribleness. Let me move that a little. The horribleness of hell that whenever a person is put there, okay? So what I'm pointing out to you is that when a person dies and they're wicked, their soul and their spirit goes back to God who gave it and they're put in hell. Now, uh, none of us want to go there. That's not, that's not the place we want to go. Let me uh, uh, see if I can get... Okay. There we go. I'm spreading this out a little bit more. Excuse me a minute while I enlarge this. Now, the, the righteous... When they go back to the righteous and the holy, the holy and the righteous goes back to God. There is a difference between the holy and the righteous. Let me talk to you about the holy and the righteous for a moment. I want you to go to Revelation chapter 20. Chapter 20. There's a difference between holy and righteous. Look at chapter 20, and this is speaking of the end time. Again, we're looking back in the book of Revelation. And it says in verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Look at the fifth verse. The rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. Now, what you have here is that you have, the, you have these people who are being, that are being put in the... Uh, let me, let me turn it like this. These people are being put in a place called paradise and their soul is put here, soul and spirit, and they are the holy and the righteous. There's a difference between the holy and righteous. So there's holy, righteous. The holy and the righteous are brought before God at the white throne judgment at the end of the world in chapter 20. And that's where it all boils down to. There are many scriptures that talk about the white throne judgment in which God will judge every soul, every person that will come forth at the end of time. But there's also the holy. And that's what you and I attempt to be among the holy. There is the holy. And I'm going to give you some verses of scripture about the holy ones because the holy uh, are those of the first resurrection. Praise the Lord. Blessed and holy are they that have part in the first resurrection. And uh, I want you to notice here that uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2 for a moment. 2 Corinthians 12. All right, this is talking about the place that they are, we are put. This is where Paul one time had an experience. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell. Paul is speaking about himself. In Acts chapter 14, verse 19, talks about him being stoned to death in Lystra. They took him out as dead, out to a field, and left him there. 
the people did because he was preaching to them and they got all riled up and they stoned Paul and stoned him to death. And so Paul came back to life after that experience of being stoned to death. And so he's talking about it here in 2 Corinthians about his experience. <coughs> and it was 14 years before. And if you want to put that in your notes there in your Bible, it's Acts 14. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell God knoweth such an one caught up to the third heaven. So Paul said, I was caught up to something. So apparently the, the uh, Abraham's bosom was changed at Calvary to become something like paradise or third heaven. And then Paul repeats that third heaven statement in verse two, he says in verse three, I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, I'm reading verse three now, God knoweth, and then verse four, how that he was caught up unto, into paradise. So we know by that third heaven and paradise were the same, and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. So he's letting us know he's talking about himself, but he's not going to brag about it. And uh, he'll just talk about, you know, infirmities, but not about his glories. But anyhow, he's talking about this was a glorious experience I had. So Paul is saying I was caught up to a place and heard unspeakable words uh, called paradise here. So the holy and the righteous go to a place called paradise or a place called the third heaven when we die the lord puts us there until the resurrection the holy are they who have been made holy by the spirit of god praise the lord and uh i want to uh sort of bring this out to you here very carefully if i can here if you look in your notes there uh <clears throat> i'm going to talk to you here about how about the resurrection now and uh the holy are in the first resurrection. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You're in 1 Corinthians 12 there. Or 2 Corinthians 12. Go to 1 Corinthians 15 with me for a moment. And verse 20. Now look at this closely. Am I, uh, everybody still with me? I mentioned to you that I know I'm in the deep water here, but you guys are pretty sharp. So just stay with me here. All right. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. This is speaking of the resurrection of the body now. We're talking about the body. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. Okay, so that is in reference to us. I'm going to jump over to uh, verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Now we're talking about the body now. So soul and spirit goes back to God who gave it. And there we abide until the resurrection. And the first, of course, is the holy. And the Bible says, blessed and holy are they that have part in the first resurrection. You cannot make yourself holy. You can be a righteous person. You cannot make yourself holy. Only the spirit of God can make us holy. Because the Bible says the holy men of old spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. They were the, old, the old prophets, they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. So they were holy men. And so we are made holy. I'm going to give you some verses on that in just a moment. But we are made holy by the Spirit of God, not within ourselves. There's nothing in ourselves that can make us holy. 
That's why it's important to repent before God, submit ourselves to God, and say, God, by your grace, uh, you, know, uh, you know, save us, let us be saved by your mercy and kindness and your love, and then submit to the Lord and obey his commandments. Repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with his spirit because that spirit in us will make us holy. That spirit will, will make us holy. Praise the Lord. I'll come back to 1 Corinthians for a moment. Go to, uh, go to Romans chapter 8 for a moment. Let me show you this. Romans 8. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, Romans 8 uh, gives us a little bit of an understanding here about about the spirit of the Lord, eight and nine. But we are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. We have to have the spirit of Christ to be his. All right, verse 11. This is eight eleven of Romans. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies, your mortal bodies, by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Okay? So what I'm pointing out to you here that the spirit of Christ is what makes us holy and qualifies us to be in that first resurrection. Blessed and holy are they that have part in the first resurrection. The rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were passed after that period of time, after the rapture. Rapture first short period, tribulation period of about 10 years, 14 years, and then following that is a thousand years of peace. And then after that is going to be the general resurrection which God would judge all the world that's ever lived from the beginning of time to the end. But you and I have hope of the first resurrection, Jesus Christ, the first fruits of the resurrection. <clears throat> and then we ourselves will be, of course, uh, after that. And so going back over then to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, where I was reading this uh, verse of scripture here. If you'll look with us also then in uh, 1542, 1 Corinthians 1542. And uh, he says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. That's the resurrection now. So what I'm pointing out to you is that the soul and the spirit goes back to God but at the resurrection, the soul and the spirit is reunited with the body in a way that only God could do that. And the body is, comes forth in a new body, in a glorified body. We do not yet know how we shall appear, but we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We'll have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body, or new body. Look at this 46th verse, 44th verse. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. This is 1 Corinthians 15. <clears throat> there is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. Verse 48. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. In other words, we are the earth. We are the, our bodies are earthly. And as is the heavenly, such are they also are heavenly. So these earthly bodies shall be changed into, his, into a heavenly body. Praise the Lord. That's what Jesus did. Jesus had an earthly body. He went to Calvary and died. He had a resurrected body after the resurrection. But when he ascended into heaven, his body was glorified. He was glorified with a glorified body. Praise the Lord. And the Bible says that our uh, example of how we will be will be like that of Christ. 
He is the first fruits of the resurrection, very first. Nobody could be resurrected until Jesus was. And then after that, we have the hope then of the resurrection. And it goes on to say here, then I'm going to read 48. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Verse 49, as we have borne the image of the earthly, which is Adam, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly, which is Christ. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed, changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, instantly, just that quick, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Being changed, he's referring there to the living. The corruptible shall put on incorruption. The living uh, is what he, is, shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal shall, must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And what we have here then is a, a picture here of this resurrection in which the Lord has said that I am going to resurrect this body, praise the Lord, and I am going to establish it, praise God, and I am going to be with you forever and forever and forever. One other thing I'm going to close, and I've got about three or four minutes, and that is that what makes us holy, and I mentioned that a while ago, the Holy Ghost makes us holy. Uh, let me uh, have you look at 2 Peter one twenty one for just a moment. 2 Peter one twenty one. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And then in conjunction with that verse of scripture, uh, there is a verse of scripture that's in uh, Romans 15. And it says that 15, 16, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is what sanctifies us. The Holy Ghost is what makes That's why, folks, we need the Holy Ghost. Somebody will say, do I have to have it? Why wouldn't we want to have it? That's what we're going to have in eternity. That's what God is going to give us. And we have to have the Holy Spirit to help us to live the life in this life and then, praise the Lord, to be caught away in the rapture because the Holy Ghost, praise the Lord, is going to catch us up at the rapture. And so, and then finally, uh, another verse of scripture here, and this is found in uh, uh, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 16. Know ye not that you're the temple of God. Look at this. And the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Do you understand what I'm pointing out to you here? That we are holy in the Lord. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. So, and I haven't even talked to you about the righteous and the wicked that will come, come before the Lord. Now, the uh, solid lines here is our spirits going back to God who gives and one goes to hell and the other is put in paradise. These dotted lines, though, is the resurrection, is whatever <clears throat> the soul and spirit 
is reunited with the body, and then it comes forth in the resurrection here. And this is what you have. You have the corruptible shall put on incorruption, the mortal shall put on immortality. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> we call that the rapture of the church. There's another very powerful scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18. I haven't gotten there, and I will not try to read that verse of scripture. But the point I'm bringing out to you here is simply that these scriptures let us know that God, praise the Lord, is going to bless us and he is going to give us the greatest thing that we could ever have. I don't know how to say this, folks, but to say this, that we who serve the Lord and walk with God and you have the spirit of God in you, we have the greatest promise of any people on the face of the earth. Uh, in the Old Testament, holy men of God, holy women of God will be in the rapture as well because they were moved by the Holy Ghost upon them. You and I are not moved by the Holy Ghost in that fashion. Uh, just like Elijah, he called fire down from heaven, but later that Holy Ghost lifted. But you and I are sealed with the Holy Ghost. God puts that in us and it's with us all the time. And we have that with us as a seal of promise. It is the uh, down payment of our eternal life. It's, the Bible talks about that. It is the, uh, it is the promise that is, that is there, that is definite, that can be felt, that can, we can have an assurance of. That's why that the Holy Ghost is so powerful to a new convert. Whenever they receive the Holy Ghost, they speak in tongues. They said, Ben, I know that was me. That was God talking through me. I mean, it was my mouth and my tongue, but it was words that I didn't know anything about. I don't know how I would have ever done that within myself, and we could not have. But it's a sign to us that God has put his spirit in us. And then how we feel toward others, how we act, the way we live, the things we do and the things we don't do, and all those things are all part of the spirit of God. If there's anything you want, you want the spirit of God. The spirit of God assures us that when the rapture takes place, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those that have already gone on, they'll go first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord in Christ. Remember that, in Christ. Those that are dead in Christ. Praise God. And we're in Christ by having his spirit. You're in Christ being baptized in his name, Christ in us by having the spirit of God in us. Aren't you glad you know the Lord? Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Let's lift our hands. Let's praise him. We'll get into the latter part of this next week. I've got some very interesting things to talk to you about in that sense. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you. We thank you. God, bless this audience today. Bless our services today, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for the privilege to love you, to worship you, to be in the house of God, and to lift up your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.